Welcome to the So What Podcast. This show is dedicated to planting ideas, habits, and God-given purpose into the soil of business so you can enjoy the harvest and share it with others. Now, here's your host, Paul Tran. That they claim me to be, uh, that's, that's a pretty successful life, man. Uh, no, it's been all oh, it's been all great things. So shoot, it's all great. Um, oh, thank you. Sorry, I'm just waiting for um, waiting for a handful more people to hop on. Then we can just get going. All right. No worries. No worries, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. How you doing today? Busy day? Uh, it's let's see. No, I, I actually not a busy day. I, I pretty much blocked the entire day off. Because uh, um, I'm going to mention this on, during the training, but I, I'm an introvert. And so talking to too many people or doing too many things in a day wore me out. So I need to like block the whole day just to make sure I have enough energy for this. And then I have the recovery time after. So Okay, um, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you're, I'm pretty sure you're an extrovert, right? Yeah, I was actually going to just t- say that. Um, I'm the total opposite. So for me, uh, my life... I normally during like everything I'm doing in my life is normally like by myself or like if I am interacting with someone, it's like one or two people at a time. Yeah. So like I was considered more like an introverted life, but I'm very extroverted. So doing calls like this and I actually have, I drive up to Modesto now for all our calls and stuff for headquarters. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like my time to like build up my battery of just like getting all my <laughs> conversations out and like interacting and stuff. So like it's funny because I'm the total opposite. So Thursdays are normally like my recharge day, and I actually interact and like get all like my energy out. Oh, right on. So you and I are tag team. We're we're the tag team, dude. <laughs> I like it, it. it. There's this joke where it says, um, you know, uh, uh, when when the pandemic hit and the lockdown happened, right? Like uh, all the introverts are like, we've been preparing this for this day our whole lives, you know, <laughs> like like to be sheltered in place and be left alone. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's so funny because I'm like the opposite. Um, like right at the start when everything was like super um, straight and really tight knit, I was not losing my marbles, but I felt like I was at some point. I was like, gosh, I just want to just like just sit around or like just talk to someone. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. I mean, did Zoom do the job? But it's just not the same without like human energy like flowing flowing through. It. It. I. Zoom's great, and I love the tool, and it's brought a lot of great things into my life this year. But there's just something different about you know sitting across from someone and interacting, and like feeling their energy, and you know things like that. That yeah, you, you just can't get through a screen. But uh, there's a ton of other great things, especially right now, just adapting and pivoting. Yeah, I think Zoom is you know it does its job very well. Right on. Well, you can have it, my friend. You can have it all. I won't be fighting you for that. <laughs> so. Um, okay. We got a handful of people on. Um, do you mind if we just start and, you know, as more people hop on the call, we can, they can just hop on and start wherever the, um, you're starting. Is that okay? Sure, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to follow your lead, man. Sounds good. All right. Um, so how's everyone doing today? I hope everyone's having a great Thursday. For me, I have been having a actually really great day today. Um, granted, with all the smoke coming in into the valley, it's been really rough and sad to see. But um, you know, it's just it feels like it's just another day. We just got to keep on grinding through and just hoping for the best. And there's always another beautiful day. Um, I just wanted to just start this call by saying I am super excited. I know I say that often, 
But um, I'm really excited about this because I've heard about this gentleman through many of my close friends. I've heard some amazing things. So to actually hear him and get to actually listen to him and hear all the values about to bring today actually really excites me. And I'm super excited to take some notes on it. Um, so this is Paul Tran. Man is, uh, as William put it, a franchise guru and an automation for life and business expert, I would say. Um, beyond just that, though, he is actually just an amazing human being. I've heard nothing but amazing things about him, him as just an individual. He's a family man, man of God, and just an overall just fantastic businessman. I would say that if you wanted to like look up to someone as a good human being and as an entrepreneur, that he is for sure one of the top people you should be looking up to and listening in on. Um, I'm really excited and Paul, thank you for being on this call, man. I am super excited and go ahead and take it away, my man. Oh, geez, man. You, you give me too much credit. And so, <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate it so much and I'm glad that, you know, my, my presence here on earth, uh, is a light. It's, there's no more worthy, worthier calling. Right. And I love your intro where you said that even though the fires are happening, there's pandemics happening, economic downturn. The only the best thing we can do is just put our head down and control what we can control. And so the fact that you and Billy uh, are just continuing to 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 light a kind of be a, like a lighthouse, you know, amidst all the craziness, um, I admire what you do as well. So it's easy to hop on the show. It's harder to host the show and promote it and be consistent. So kudos to you, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course, of course, man. Um, well, today I was telling Billy. Um, well, we were trying to go. We're, we're going over topics that we wanted to discuss, and the the difficult thing about me is that I I'm obsessed with like all sorts of things. Um, most of the time, a lot of my podcast episodes and my interviews and uh, are all about franchising and restaurants and operations and and that kind of stuff, but. I actually want to talk about another topic, which, uh, you know, I did tell Billy ahead of time that um, it's, it, I, even though I run a bunch of restaurants, uh, I've also invested in a lot of other startups and uh, I consult a lot of restaurants on franchising and I've seen a lot of success. Uh, you know, we've been able to plant restaurants all over the country. Uh, all of that stuff is possible because of two skills that I think that are most important for, for at least my success. And that is uh, writing, which that's probably another training session on its own. But the other one is, is all rooted in sales. Um, I like to tell people that, you know, no idea becomes reality or, or no company comes into existence or no real work gets done unless someone sells something of value, even when you're trying to sell yourself on something too. So uh, today I, I, you know, I want to be able to share some mindsets around how to sell more effectively. Uh, and sell more deals and sell to the right people and sell to help and also lay some groundwork on some strategies that I have worked really well for me. And I'm coming from someone who isn't like Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk, which is like crazy energy. And you, how can you not like want to do a deal with, with, with them? Right. For me, I was telling you before, I don't know, I'm not sure if it was recorded, but I'm an introvert. Uh, and so talking with a lot of people scares the crap out of me. Uh, and, uh, again, it wears me out too. And I wasn't always good at it, but, um, I was able to, uh, through, uh, being obsessed with trying to self-improve myself, I was able to, uh, you know, 
I was able to be top salesperson at my company for over a decade. Uh, I was able to help small mom and pops like grow from small units to going public on the stock exchange. Uh, I was able to, uh, selling has allowed me to fly all throughout the country and close uh, some pretty large deals, uh, like anywhere from seven to eight figure deals. Uh, and it all just goes back to a couple of things that I believe are, are really important. So you don't need the Grant Cardone energy. Uh, you don't need uh, you, you don't need manipulative uh, strategies. You just need a couple of uh, mindsets to have. So um, I just wanted to share some today. I, I wrote some down, uh, and hopefully it becomes helpful um, right away. And uh, the rest of the time, I guess we, we open it for a question and answer, right? Yeah. So uh, okay. Go ahead, and then whenever you're ready, we can switch over to a Q&A setting. Right on. Okay. Uh, so the first thing is uh, I want to go over mindset. Uh, I believe that there are four narratives that, uh, you know, a salesperson or an entrepreneur that's trying to sell better and sell more effectively uh, needs to recalibrate. Um, no amount of like brilliant or cool, smooth strategies or manipulative strategies will work unless you have the right mindset about sales. So uh, one thing I often hear from entrepreneurs and salespeople is, I don't like sales or I don't want to come off as too salesy. Uh, and if that's the case, um, I, I recommend that you change the programming on your brain. I, I think the beautiful thing about the stories you tell yourself uh, are that if they don't serve you, you can always change the story. Um, I believe that um, if you love your company, your product, service, or idea, and really believe that what you have on tap it has value and enriches other people's lives. I believe it's your duty to sell. Uh, and you got to remind yourself that, you know, you're selling to help. I tell my business customers that I flip it around on them as well. I tell them just like you're trying to sell products that improve other people's lives. I'm doing the same for you right now. You know, so uh, I, I spent a decade um, selling franchise investments for Fransmart and, and Fransmart is uh, the largest franchise development company in the world. Um, I struggled my very first year. I, I didn't close anything for six months. Uh, picking up the phone gave me panic attacks. Uh, I came into calls already assuming I was going to get rejected. Uh, and I just hated the experience. And if I hate the experience, I'm pretty sure my prospects aren't having a great time either. Um, but, uh, you know, six months into it, I thank goodness for my mentor, Dan Rowe, who's the CEO of Fransmart. Uh, he was the one that actually helped grow like brands like Five Guys into being like the the billion dollar monster that is today. We we actually started selling them when they only had five stores. Now they have two thousand stores and do over a billion around like twenty countries. And what he told me was, you know, if, you know, Paul, if you're not selling, there are two things that are happening. Number one, uh, you're unemployed and you can't provide for your loved ones. And number two, the people you serve, they can't build wealth. Uh, and that he redefined my, my definition of selling. It, it, selling is truly just to help. Uh, he created the mindset that, you know, when I go into these conversations, I'm usually like, you know, Mr. Prospect or Mrs. Prospect, if I don't sell you this, I'd be doing you a huge disservice. And, and that changed everything for me. The moment, it's, it's crazy like a light switch. Um, the moment that happened, I, I ended up, uh, you know, making, uh, hitting sales records, uh, I was able to sell thousands of franchises. Um, the deals, again, took me all over the world and, and I was able to, to provide for my family. I was able to uh, buy a couple homes. I was able to pay my parents a, a salary for retirement. Uh, I'm able to take my family around the world. So the first 
the first thing Dan told me it was taken care of. The second thing was taken care of as well. Um, a lot of uh, people were able to realize their dreams and control their destiny by opening their own business. Uh, it's allowed families to have a secure nest egg. Uh, jobs are created. The economy gets to flow because I was able to pick up the phone. Um, you know, mom and pop shops were able to see their their food delight people like on the other side of the planet uh, and all sorts of other uh, milestones. And so uh, the first thing is you need to understand that you're selling to help. Um, so that's the first mindset. Uh, the second mindset is um, a lot of entrepreneurs and salespeople like to hide behind this statement. Oh, the product or the service will sell itself, which I think is complete BS. Uh, one of my favorite sales books of all time is called The Challenger Sale. Um, and in there, there was a case study where 5,000 uh, professionals were interviewed on how they make buying decisions. And the, the percentages were actually really, really revealing. Um, it came out that 19% of your buying decision is, is attributed to company and brand impact. Uh, 19% goes into product and service delivery. Only 9% goes into value to price ratio. And 53% or more than half uh, goes to sales experience. This means that, uh, you know, this should get, call you out and also give you comfort. It should call you out because you can talk smack about your competitor's products. Uh, or you can talk about their shitty logo uh, all day long. But if their salespeople are more hungrier and they're more staffed to sell, you're going to lose the business. I believe that most people put too much weight and dependency on things that just don't matter that much. Um, I think about it like uh, I, I put this example down. Uh, Seth Godin, are you familiar with Seth Godin? Um, I, he, uh, yeah, he said that. Sorry, I kind of threw you off. Sorry, man. <laughs> he wrote this little article that says, think about the mattress and the light bulbs that you buy on Amazon. Most of the time, you don't even know who makes those things. And most people just focus on the reviews. And for the small amount of people who do care who manufactures them, they don't, they don't go to the manufacturer website. They go on Amazon to see if Amazon carries it. And the reason why is because the decision-making goes to whoever controls the sales relationship. And that's Amazon, not the product or service. And so that should call you out, but should also give you comfort because you don't necessarily need a sexy logo. I, I even, I read this thing where it said that, you know, the, the Nike logo, the Apple logo, all those iconic company logos that you see today, they didn't even matter until after you've been sold and you see it enough. I mean, it's a lagging indicator uh, where, but so many people, like they spend so much money on trying to design a sexy logo before they even have anything of value before a deal gets sold. And that's what I call business porn. Uh, if anybody asks me what business porn, I'm happy to explain what that is. It's not as X-rated as you think. <laughs> uh, but for myself, I mean, I just barely decided I needed a website. Um, you follow me on Instagram, you'll realize I have less than 2,000 people. So my social media sucks. Uh, and uh, most of my work is referral based. Uh, so it's not an excuse to be sloppy or not work on them because I, I am working on them. But uh, it's just not necessary to get started and not necessary to close deals and, and add value. So uh, I, with that mindset, I, I think that you know, if you're a salesperson, work on your sales skills. Product knowledge is great, but it's more about per, you know, interpersonal and, and sales skills. And if you're an entrepreneur, you know, yeah, you can, I'd rather you not invest in infrastructure, office supplies, maintenance, all those things don't really produce any ROI for you. But if you were to invest in books for your sales team, coach them, getting a training seminar, uh, I mean, that's going to amplify your ROI big time.
So uh, that's the second mindset. Uh, the next mindset I want you to change about is the word no, rejection and failure in general. Um, I believe that if you've never been rejected or if you've never failed, uh, you've either, well, you've, it's guaranteed you've set your standards too low and you've probably never done anything meaningful in your life. Um, when you tell people no, when people tell you no, um, I believe that, you know, salespeople should get pretty excited because that just means you're getting closer to a yes. I mean, of course, you need to improve your sales skills and uh, you need to, of course, target your ideal customer. Uh, but the law of averages suggests that uh, after a certain number of no's, your yes isn't just possible. It's, it's calculated. It's math. So um, I thought I'd write down, uh, you know, three really good primers on failure and rejection. Uh, the first one is, you know, Michael Jordan, the greatest, one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Uh, Nolan Ryan for the baseball fans, uh, best pitcher of all time, having the most strikeouts in MLB history. He also holds the records for the absolute most walks uh, in, in MLB history as well. And of course, we can't forget um, the late Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. He's also arguably the best basketball player in the NBA, but people don't realize he also holds the records for the most missed shots in the NBA as well. So I want to remind you that, you know, this isn't just sales, but just business in general. Uh, rejection shouldn't be avoided. It's actually the membership card for success. So, and the final mindset um, is uh, the imposter syndrome. Uh, this is the fear that you're not good enough or you're not qualified enough. Uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, to this day, despite all the successful milestones I've achieved, uh, I still deal with it. In fact, <laughs> I got imposter syndrome when Billy asked me to come on. Uh, so, and it, it makes no, no freaking sense whatsoever. Um, but, but like anything that you want to overcome, uh, you just need to do it consistently, uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, and just remember that you don't have to believe everything you think. And if you do it enough times, you'll be able to identify, oh, okay, imposter syndrome is kind of trying to take me over. Uh, this allow, you, it'll, it'll be easier to just overcome it. And be, because you overcome it, you'll be able to change your life and, and those that you seek to serve. Um, on a total side note, um, I, I wrote an article about it on Medium. So uh, out of everything that I've written on there, it's the most widely read. So if anybody's interested, um, feel free to follow me on Instagram, send me a direct message, and I'm happy to send you the link uh, as well. I, I, hopefully it'll encourage you on the mindset side. Um, but those are the mindsets. Uh, am, I, am I going too fast or is my pace okay, uh, Ethan? No, your base is great. I, okay, cool. Uh, so, yes, yeah, it, it, okay, cool. Thank you. Um, now that we're through with the mindsets, um, I want to share some, some groundwork strategies. Um, actually, before I started this, I actually had like 20 pages of notes. I, I'm, I'm not going to kill people with that. I actually pared it down. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, have another session if, if you actually want to get into the tactical strategies and talking points. Um, but uh, these are the ones I feel like are the most important, and they revolve around three important things. Number one, be the trusted authority. Uh, number two, you can't be better. You have to be different. And number three, you need to come from the abundance mindset. And there's a couple of explanations that I'll share in a little bit. Um, the first one is 
um, I believe that most salespeople aren't willing to do the hard work that it takes to make selling easy. Um, the first one is to focus on being a trusted authority. Um, that could be writing blog posts, uh, case studies, uh, newsletter articles, uh, you know, get on shows to be interviewed, give interviews, host shows. Um, and I think that this is even more important than building relationships. And this is probably going to like piss off a lot of people, but I believe that, you know, if you're, if you're a trusted authority, for example, if you're, if you're looking for a brain surgeon, um, you're not going to ask someone if they're really good at building relationships, right? You're, you're going to ask like, do they know what the hell they're doing? Uh, if you are, if you are busy, if you're busy being a, a, a trusted authority in the marketplace, and if you also are consistent about it, uh, the familiarity of content, uh, you're going to win the business a lot more than people that 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 you know. Uh, or and I think that the business, the building relationship part, automatically takes care of itself. So, um, not only that, when you're consistent with your with your content or adding value or your newsletters. Uh, you, you show, you communicate that you're in it for the long haul. You're focused on adding value and bettering people's lives without asking for anything in return. And it actually makes it easier uh, when you actually check up on people uh, and you don't worry about people saying, oh, you only contact me when you're looking for money or you're trying to like sell me something. In fact, I I've actually had moments where I reach out to people and I've actually had people say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you reached out to me. I love, I've been loving all of your content. I've actually forwarded it to a bunch of my friends and family and my, my network. Uh, I'm so glad you contacted me because I have something for you. And then deals happen. I, I feel like you've earned the right once you've done the groundwork, uh, especially for an introvert like me. It's hard to like call someone out of the blue and, and ask for something. Uh, and so how I offset that is just creating content, being consistent. So uh, be a trusted authority. Um, the next strategy that I had written down was to do the math. Um, one of the services that my company sells uh, are VSAs, which are called, uh, which stand for virtual systems architects. My pitch is that the service can automate 90% of a business owner's workload and allow them to uh, scale and profit more enjoyably. And the cost is not even $10 an hour. Um, I hope you sign up. Uh, but the, but the, but the main point is, Although the idea of offloading work uh, is really sexy and the idea of creating instruction manuals for how to uh, operate a company and scale, they're both really sexy. But, but sales psychology teaches you that um, people make emotional decisions logically, meaning you can be attractive as you want, but if it makes no financial or no logical sense, uh, that's where you're going to lose the deal. So I actually spent a lot of time creating a spreadsheet showing the math. Uh, and what's really cool is that I actually got even more excited about my service because uh, I realized that the cost of the service is actually one third of, of the cost of hiring someone in-house. Uh, and that's not even counting the, the cost of like posting a job, recruiting, declining, training, and hoping for the best. I also sh you know, spent hours and hours on a math calculation that showed that if the customer used the service correctly, uh, they can actually take a vacation for half the year and not have any interruption in service. Um, so uh, it's, of course, I hope you become a customer, but the main point is if you do the math, you'll be able to show customers that it's not just a sexy thing or, or impulse or shiny object. It actually makes total sense and you'd be crazy not to sign. And it also reinforces your, your, your selling to help strategy as well.
Um, and I've, you know, the, if, if you're interested, um, just like I mentioned earlier, just connect with me on Instagram if you're curious to know uh, what my template looks like. I'm happy to give it to you and hopefully you can modify it to your sales, your product and service. Uh, and that way you can be able to share more value, more concrete value, and of course, uh, differentiate and also show customers you're willing to do the extra legwork to show that that you're the right uh, service provider for them. Um, the next one is uh, feed crumbs along the way. Um, traditional sales strategies uh, teach that, you know, in the beginning, uh, you need to ask a bunch of questions. Uh, you need to come to these meetings with like two pages worth of questions. So that way you can make sure you're pitching it right. Um, what I've learned is that, um, you know, after 20 questions, uh, customers are going to feel like they're giving away too much information too soon with no value. And it feels very one-sided. It's going to get really old quickly. Um, I've been taught to just respond to every one or two questions with some stories of how you've helped customers or assurance that you've got them covered. Being able to show them a little bit along the way and give it to them in doses reminds them like, okay, this is worth my time. Oh, wow, this is really cool. You, you did that for them. I'd love to learn more. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to stay through the whole presentation fully engaged. And, and another thing is if you do that, um, you're also preventing yourself from throwing up over the pitch. Uh, I've heard so many sales pitches where they ask a ton of questions and then after they just throw up on the customer uh, and uh, a lot of the value gets lost um, and it's not very effective. So uh, feed, feed crumbs along the way is, is one of my other strategies. Um, another one that I recommend is to help serve your customers' other needs too. Um, during your sales meeting, um, ask what else they buy or what else they're working on. Most of the time, customers come in and they want to meet with you for one thing, uh, but you might be able to service uh, other things that they didn't consider before. So, you know, you could ask them if you could help them save time and headaches from going to many different suppliers and just quote them on those other needs too. Uh, if there's a product that you don't have currently, but you have the bandwidth to create it, uh, and you also have the capacity to do it really well. Uh, you've just created another revenue opportunity, another product that other competitors aren't thinking about, and uh, you win the business. Um, and another thing you can do is also help your customer get more business for themselves, especially if they're in the B2B, business-to-business uh, -business sector. Um, you know, send them referrals. Uh, try and market for them as well. Um, and I've also been asked to jump on sales calls and help uh, my customers close deals as well. Um, so not only have you been able to baseline provide their needs, but now you also see like, holy cow, this guy can also do so many other things for me. They're so resourceful. Uh, and now you're no longer able to be compared to other competitors. You're like the obvious choice. Um, so um, even if you can't make money on any of the other things they need, I believe that you should just help them anyway. Again, it goes back to being resourceful. Uh, it'll at least earn you a referral because, uh, you know, you're adding value. And, uh, you know, I, in my philosophy, in my world, I, I believe that if you want to help a million people, sorry, if you want to make a million dollars, you need to be able to help a million people. And, and this is just uh, aligned with that strategy. Um, one of the other strategies that I like is more of like a talking point. Um, during the presentation, uh, you should open the hood. Open the hood means to, uh, you know, lift up the hood for a customer to see and help them visualize what it's like to onboard with your company. Um, make sure you uh, make sure you you emphasize that it's going to be smooth, easy, 
there are no headaches. Uh, there's limited transition time. There's immediate and long-term ROI. Um, remind customers that once you sign on, I'll be checking in with you regularly. Um, there's another study uh, in a book that, another sales book I love called Double Your Profits in Six Months, where uh, it shows that top performing salespeople uh, reached out to their customers on average 19 times a year, two times to upsell, cross-sell, and ask for referrals. But the rest of the 17 times, they're focused on solving problems, even if it's not related to their offering. I think it's crazy how we spend so much time and so much money trying to get new customers where it's so much easier and so much more profitable checking back with your customers who you've won in the first place. They'll be easy to, to upsell and they'll be glad to give you referrals. They want to help. Uh, and so I'd say most people are, are focusing on the wrong thing and they're not, they're not focusing on things that aren't very weighted. Um, so uh, that's another strategy I highly recommend. Um, am I still okay, Ethan? No, you're doing great. Perfect. Okay. All right. All right. Just checking in, man. I, I, I go off on a tangent. So no, you're plenty of time. You're all right. Cool. Um, another strategy I like to call is uh, curate and give customers control. Um, I believe that even if you only have one product, um, be inventive and create and offer customers two to three options to do business with you, ranging anywhere from bare bones to full white glove service. Um, I think of it like menu engineering uh, where, I don't know, if you go to Chipotle, uh, you're not, you know, you already go up there. It's a really easy, simple menu that's already been curated for you. Uh, you have a sense of control, but it's not so many options that it makes you feel stupid and intimidated. Um, customers are going to pay you to make it easy for them to decide and make them feel smart about those choices. And what's really cool is that if you create options for customers, you do have the perception of having a lot more variety without having to have a lot of uh, variety, uh, you actually might get the higher revenue because you offered a higher price product that you didn't know you could ask for more money on. And also, uh, customers like to, customers feel better when they are comparing products, right? And so might as well create uh, products within your own portfolio for them to compare. So you'll either choose one option that belongs to you or another option, which also belongs to you. So that way customers don't even have to compare you with other uh, options, uh, other competitors too. So you pretty much just own the whole menu. So that's what I've uh, seen work really well. Um, combine your offering with other services. Um, when I sold franchises for, for uh, my restaurants clients, um, I was able to sweeten the deal with other things that they didn't consider. Um, for example, uh, you know, if I, when I raised money with investors, I would sometimes uh, get, of course, get approval, but they would get rights of refusal to invest in more stores. Uh, they would get a, a small equity stake in the corporate entity, or it could be as simple as just giving them a VIP card that gave them free food or front of the line pass. Uh, just those little deal sweeteners to get people over the, over the, the finish line. In my world of selling VSA services, um, I always included getting one-on-one -on -one coaching, which, you know, is a couple thousand dollars of value. And also I, I threw in a, a podcast uh, episodes that showed uh, customers how to use the VSA service better. Uh, and so that made it a little bit harder for, for customers to compare it to other competitors because those other competitors aren't doing it. So um, 
I think of it like the Amazon Prime strategy, right? Where you're you're paying Amazon Prime for fast and free delivery, uh, but they start throwing things in like Prime Video, Prime Music, all these other goodies you can feel much better about, and they're continue to add more value. You like you're trapped, like it's it's a good trap, but it's a trap. Like you you can't like I can't compare that with anything else, or it'd be stupid not to continue using the service. Um, so. Um, yeah, that, that's that's something also that you can consider um, uh, recompo- reconfiguring your product or service. Um, this is also kind of related. Um, it's called Stack the Cool. Um, there's a podcast I listen to uh, called the the Tom Ferry Show. Uh, he's actually a real estate coach, and even though I'm not in that world, uh, his sales strategies are incredible. Uh, but he has the strategy called Stack the Cool, uh, where you know those infomercials that say that, you know, if you take action now, uh, you know, but wait, there's more if you order in the next 30 minutes. Um, it's very similar to the, to the uh, earlier strategy. Um, give them even more incentives for taking action now. Uh, that can be in the form of discounts. You can add other services as well, even throwing some consulting, um, because I believe that time kills deals. And the longer you wait, the more they'll cool down or they'll start looking elsewhere for other options. Uh, and so the strategy is to find a way to sustain their emotional altitude. So strike while it's still hot. So um, the next three strategies uh, I have are related to having the abundance mentality. Um, and I'll, I'll get into it. I'll explain it later. But the, the first one is to challenge your customer's thinking. Um, again, it, I'm also saying you to poo-poo the whole focus on rebuilding relationships and being likable. I, I encourage you to actually spend more time challenging your customer and teaching them something new that they never considered before. Uh, ask questions like, did you know that? Or uh, I disagree with you and here's why. And here's some case studies why. Or I challenge you to actually do it this way or think about it this way. Uh, the reason why is because I think customers are so used to uh, pushovers and customers who are so, uh, sorry, service providers that are so desperate to, to win the business uh, that they aren't really adding any more value. They're just, yes, man. Yes, we can do that too. Yes, we can do that too. And then they're going to be the ones that end up having to discount their prices because they don't have anything else of value. But if you have, if you're able to actually challenge your customer to think differently or to reconsider a certain way, um, you'll show that you're coming from the abundance mentality. Like I'm not afraid to challenge you and I'm not afraid to help you get better. Uh, for example, um, when I was selling franchises, uh, I was selling franchises for a bunch of mom and pop shops that only had one or two, two stores. It's really hard for certain investors to like, why would I invest and risk so much for a small franchise? Isn't the point of franchise to buy something that has like a hundred units, uh, you know, strong. And that's, that's more protective of my investment. Uh, I actually challenged them. I said, actually, it's more risky if you do that. The reason why is because you don't have a lot of territory to work with. You're probably going to be uh, opening stores next to other stores and they're going to eat your sales. And I think of it like, would you invest in Microsoft now or would you invest with, with Microsoft 20 years ago? You know, it's more riskier if you do it now. It's more expensive if you do it now versus earlier. And that was able to help me sell so many deals because I helped reframe things than, you know, someone that was, oh, oh, you're probably right. Oh, let's sell something else uh, or just give up. So uh, challenge your customer. It'll, it'll build your confidence and it'll, it'll shift the power dynamic back to you in a good way. Um, the second thing is to share with clients your, who, 
share with prospects who your ideal client is. Um, I actually like to tell customers like, hey, if you want to be my customer, this is actually a couple of requirements you need to meet. Or these are our best clients. They do this, 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 and this. Um, is that something that you are able to meet? <laughs> and what's something really cool happens. Uh, you're approving them as much as they're approving you. Uh, again, you're shifting the power dynamic to where you guys are equals or actually you have a little bit more power than they do. And uh, I've actually had instances where customers are now trying to convince me that they are the best client. And so it actually becomes easier to close the deal. They actually close themselves. Uh, and so it, it's, it's kind of cool. So be, be strong and be confident and have this abundance mentality where like, hey, we only want to be selective with certain clients and here's how. Um, and and uh, it'll be a lot easier to close deals. And the final thing uh, from the abundance mentality is to talk, actually talk, try talking customers out of the deal. Usually I tell people, hey, uh, I can make me a million dollars, but it's going to cost you 10% of that. Uh, even though it makes financial sense, uh, you know, $100,000 is still quite a lot. Like, how do you feel about that? Or are you budgeted for that? Uh, and a couple of things happen. Uh, usually they, um, well, the cool thing is that they, they've, you've given them time to think about that. And I've created obstacles for them to where uh, they think it through thoroughly. They're not just excited and, and uh, you know, going hundred miles per hour. And then usually when the deal is about to be signed, that's when they throw in their objections and it's a little harder to reconcile at that point. If you're able to, to establish that early on and try and talk them out of the deal, it forces them to think thoroughly and logically uh, to where by the time it's, time for them to close the deal, they've already thought it through and it's easier to close the deal too. Uh, and it also shows that, hey, you know, if you don't like, or if you're not, if you're not a good fit for this deal, or if you don't like this deal, or if you're not budgeted, like you can walk away now. Uh, and so it's also the abundance mentality where we don't have to take you on. Um, so anyway, that's, that's the, that's the last strategy out of the abundance mentality. Um, there are, a lot of other strategies like talking points, uh, lead generation strategies uh, that I could talk on forever. This is one of the topics I can talk on forever, but I kind of wanted to just stop right there and um, kind of check your pulse, Ethan, on what we should do next or uh, maybe answer questions if there are any or if you have any questions too, I'm happy to follow your lead. Uh, there's a ton of questions. I think more this call could be more of a uh, practical call. And then if you want to maybe do another call about tactical things we can um, do and execute on the future date, we can do that. Um, so I'm yours, man. I'm yours and Billy's, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you want, we can just hop in some Q&A and take, with, take the lead with that. Um, okay. Go for it. That. All right. So let's start from the top. Um, Adam, he asked, uh, is it smarter to grow vertically or horizontally? Vertically or horizontally? Um, vertically means to like control uh, from the supply chain to the distribution to the, the retail end consumer part of it or to grow horizontally. Um, the beauty is I've actually seen it done successfully both ways. Uh, I believe like, for example, Apple is super vertically, vertically integrated. They, they control like the manufacturing all the way down to the store level, all the way down to, to the end user. Uh, whereas I've seen other companies like Amazon where they, uh, gosh, they, they, they pretty much sell everything and anything you can imagine. So my answer to you is um, it's incomplete 
because I don't know uh, your business and your DNA and and what kind of personality or, or, or aspiration you're trying to achieve. But my comforting answer to you is it's been done successfully both ways. I actually agree with both. It just depends on on uh, on your strategy. I know that's not super helpful, but um, maybe it just helps you think a, think a little more introspectively about like what you want to do. Um, yeah. Awesome. I think that answers the question really well. Um, from William, uh, what are your thoughts on referral uh, referral base versus hunting, cold call, cold email, and cold LinkedIn? Uh, hey, William. What's up, man? Uh, he's also a big fan of the Challenger sale. We talk about it quite a bit. Um, but uh, I think that I think that the most people aren't willing to ask for referrals. I think it's the craziest thing. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, it, it costs almost nothing to generate that, to generate a lead through referrals. People are, people want to be helpful. Like if you were to call a customer and say, Hey, could you do me a favor? Like, as you know, like our company's trying to be like a market leader uh, in the space and we want to help more people like you. Like, do you know anybody that, that I could help as well? Like I promise to make you look good, you know, and, and usually they're, they, they want to help and who better than the third party validation. Uh, they help you sell it as well. Uh, and they could probably think about three or five people that, that you could, that you could, uh, that you could work with. And I, I just think that most people are, I don't know why it's just salespeople are just really weird. They, they're just, they'd rather focus on cold leads than, than referrals. But if you were to ch- it goes back to like, if you're doing everything that everybody else is doing, uh, you're probably not going to be successful. So try doing the reverse, ask for referrals. Um, you'll be surprised that people want to help if they knew that you needed help. Um, so if someone asks you for help, Ethan, like, like, yeah, I want to help. Like that, that gives you value. That gives you significance. Like I want to help you, especially if I've already experienced like what you can do. So um, yeah, you could even drop, I don't even want you to do LinkedIn cold calling or any of that stuff until you've exhausted your referral base. Awesome. That is awesome. Thank you. Um, Andrew, uh, he asks, uh, what does Paul look for in a potential franchise? Andrew. I wonder if this is Andrew. Which Andrew is this? I wonder if he's coming from the standpoint of being a franchisor. Menard. Uh, hey, Andrew. What's up, man? Uh, as far as looking for an ideal franchisee, um, the ideal franchisee uh, needs to needs to subscribe to the story that that the brand is stands for. Um, yeah, of course. Obviously, you need to have money and you need to have certain levels of business experience. But even more importantly than that, you just need to be so obsessed with the mission that the the brand owner has created that you're willing to stand behind it, even if you don't, even if there aren't like a thousand stores, uh, even if, uh, you know, there's not a lot of track record, uh, you're, you're, you're willing to, to subscribe to the story. I'll give an example. Um, Freshie was the brand that I helped when they only had nine stores in Toronto, they wanted to franchise. And so I ended up selling like over 300 stores before they ended up going public on the stock exchange. What I learned was that one of the, when, when Freshie was registering their franchise, they actually didn't even, they didn't share any financial performance. So imagine me trying to sell an opportunity without any financial figures. I, I'm not allowed to talk about finances. But the, the reason why the brand still sold a ton of stores uh, is because 
uh, he had a story that he wanted to change people's eating habits. They wanted to uh, intercept. His story was before a customer reaches for a candy bar, I want to intercept it with a, with an apple or some a healthier option. People want to eat healthier. It's just not convenient. It's not sexy either. So his mission was not only to make it the most convenient choice, but he wanted to make eating healthy sexy, and he wanted to we'll call it Starbucks, the fresh food business, and uh, and so like if you talk to personal trainers or people who are in the health fitness industry, if you heard that, like, dude, like sign me up. I want to get behind that mission. Like my goal is to try to change people's lives. And actually a big chunk of the franchisees were actually personal trainers. It makes total sense. Like you, you control their, their workout regimen and then you can also control their eating habits. Cause that's even more important. Right. Uh, and so, um, so yeah, you, you just need to have people who are subscribed to to the to the story more than anything else. I think business acumen, all that stuff can be trained. Uh, there's no shortage of people are, are, that are willing to learn and be coached. So business experience is uh, later down the line. Having money is later down the line, but that you just need to have you just need to have people who believe in what you believe in. That was a long qu- answer. Sorry, <laughs> I'm really passionate about it. <laughs> Well, I think that kind of correlates into a question Adam asked is, uh, what do you look for in a business to convert into a franchise? And I think you kind of answered that a little bit right there. Yeah. Uh, what I look for for a brand that wants to become a franchise? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Uh, the, I think that uh, it has to go back to number one, uh, are they in it for the long haul and are they very coachable? The reason why is because most restaurant owner, at least from the restaurant world, um, they're so used to operating stores and operating and working with, you know, teenage college kids that are working part-time and also some people that are working like as a career. But what happens is um, the dynamic changes when you, when you want to become a franchise, you stop managing actual managing stores and you actually start managing a bunch of entrepreneurs with egos and uh, and people who have experienced some success and ego becomes a really hard thing to, to manage. So the DNA of your company changes. And so um, are you ready for that kind of uh, shift in your business? Because your DNA changes completely. Another thing is, are you doing something that is, it actually goes back to sales as well. Like you can't just be better. Um, you have to be different. Like, are you doing something that's so different that you're creating a category, a new category and you're dominating it? And I relate it to five guys burgers, which is another brand we worked on back then before five guys came onto the scene, they were, there were only options of fast food burger, like the junk food, like McDonald's that we all love or the chef driven burger at the fine dining restaurants that cost $30 there was nobody serving the middle segment until five guys came on the scene and created what's called the fast, casual, better burger. Uh, and so they created that, 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 that category. They were the first to be in that, that category, at least uh, like publicly. And they pretty much dominated it and they were able to enjoy uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of franchisees and a lot of growth. Uh, and so are you doing something that's so different and are you doing something that dominates that new category? Uh, because it'll be hard to say that, Oh, we're also McDonald's too. We're like McDonald's or we're like this brand or that brand. You're going to be buried in a sea of me too. And it's going to be hard to compete. And you're always going to be compared to by McDonald's or the, you know, people that you're trying to play in that same space, if that makes sense. So are you doing something very different? And 
and number three, um, are you committed to invest? Are you, do you have, are you not necessarily well capitalized, but are you committed to investing all the money you make, all, all the savings that you have and all the money that you do make from franchise fees to develop uh, the support team, the infrastructure to, to support a thousand stores? So most people want to just open a restaurant to make money and feed their family, which is great. It's, but it's not going to help you become like a nationally or globally known recognized franchise. Uh, the best ones that become global brands that we love today and, and are everywhere are those who, whenever they get a franchise fee, they actually use it to hire best in class talent or they invest in technology or they, they use that money to, uh, to sustain or build the infrastructure for growth. Uh, and so it just requires a different mindset, or at least are you willing to invest in leadership or are you willing to step aside and hire like a, a legitimate CEO that has experience in, in growing to the next level? Um, so it's about coachability and getting out of the way uh, is, is a few of the things. There's a lot more to it, um, but hopefully that answers some of it. I think that answers it pretty well. Okay. <laughs> I realize my answers are so long. I hope it's like actually dense with, with helpful info. <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, Bill is asking earlier, uh, how, when we were talking about VSAs, how do you use VSAs for social media lead generation? Ooh, good question. Um, I actually have a, I hope you guys also subscribe to my podcast. I, I, I share a lot of strategies on how you could use your VSA to, you know, maximize it. Uh, and so there is an episode on that, but um, gosh, if I, if I, if, if I can get technical, um, every client uses it differently, but I've had clients where they um, just have VSAs um, access uh, you know, the business owners or the businesses, Instagram or their social media account, they actually start creating a database on Google sheets uh, of all the people that follow them. It's, it's tedious. And so that's why the VSA service is so valuable. They actually will cre start creating a database on Google sheets, for example, of all the followers, and they would send a message that says, Hey, thank you so much for following, you know, uh, go fresh. Uh, we really appreciate you f supporting us and 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 uh, on, and our mission to uh, serve more people and help people eat healthier. Um, you know, I, you know. I, is the question just to gain more followers or to convert that into customers? It doesn't say. I'm sure more to uh, customers. Okay. So if any. Just to say, uh, you know, I, I wanted to know, if, you know, we could absolutely use your help uh, to continue growing and serving more people. Um, one way you could do it is to um, post a picture and tag us and like let, let every let your sphere of influence know that we are we are here and we're here to serve people and serve people better. And the second thing is if you're interested in, in having having a healthier lifestyle, here's the easiest way that you can order food and we're willing to give you a discount or some kind of incentive to to uh, to to uh, make a purchase. We're, we'll be happy to serve you and just do that for every single person that that uh, that is in the, the social media network and uh i've actually have clients that were able to get like five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars of orders a day just because the 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 vsa reached out to uh to people on their social media and just let them know that hey uh are, are you do you have had, have you had lunch yet like here's your here's your here's us people just need to know that that you exist 
Uh, and so that's one strategy. Um, there's a lot more, but um, hopefully that kind of gets gets the juices flowing at least. I think that does. Okay. <laughs> I think we're good. Uh, EJ, EJ was asking about VSAs too. Uh, do you think VSAs will get regulated in the future? Regulated. Um, kind of curious to know regulated in what way. Because um, at the end of the day, they are no different than like an independent contractor. So they would be regulated the same exact way, unless there are specific um, things that you're, you're that they're asking for. Uh, that was hey, EJ, what's up, man? <laughs> that was a question. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I'm sure more of um, regarding them as independent contractors, maybe more as a business side of it all. I, I don't know exactly. Okay. And, you know, EJ has a direct uh, connection with me. So, um, EJ, I, I want to make sure I answer your question, brother. So uh, feel free to connect with me directly and happy to, happy to, to, to walk through that with you. Um, there was another question. I oh, let me see. You said we'll do. Nice. Um, there was another question from Martin. Um, how would you do the math in quotations for a new service that you may not have data on? Um, that's really cool. That's a good question. What's up, Martin? Um, ooh, that also requires a little more context as well. Uh, there's so much data, even though there's no data for, I guess, even though there's no data, you can actually, I'm not trying to tell you to make up the data, but but you can talk about, like, for example, if you're consulting uh, on a new space, um, you could, you could, uh, gosh, it's as far as doing the math with not a lot of data, I guess you can start off by saying, you know, how much a certain service costs and what you are envisioning that it should do. Uh, like as far as maybe increasing revenue or cutting costs, um, you could probably use um, similar data from like similar uh, models. For example, even though Freshy, I'll go back to the Freshy model, even though Freshy didn't have sales information, What's cool is that I was able to use public information, like for example, Chipotle is a publicly traded company. I was able to show customers that, hey, even though we're not allowed to show financial numbers, here's what Chipotle does. And as you know, Chipotle costs this many times more expensive. Uh, and you know that they have twice the amount of labor. Uh, and you also have, they also carry uh, a little bit less food, food than we do. So, you know, even though we can't, um, guide you a certain way. I want you to use this as a benchmark. And usually we let customers who are usually pretty smart, they kind of make their own deductions or their own calculations on it. Um, but you can use data from similar similar models to kind of help your cause as well. Uh, but you also want to focus on the fact that, you know, because this is a brand new space, uh, you should be pretty excited that, you know, you're part of something that's a little more on the cutting edge. Uh, and so that's, but you also want to be able to, when you do the math, you're also going to be able to put a price tag on all the services that you do provide as well as another way to do the math. So for example, um, for example, Amazon prime, Amazon prime is what, like $99 a year. Uh, but if you also throw in prime video, which of course, uh, you know, Netflix costs like what 12 to $15 a month. Right. 
So, and also if you use Amazon, like Spotify is like $10 a month as well uh, as an example, but you get Amazon music and Amazon video in there included as well. So you can use that math. You can borrow that math in order to, to, to add value to your cause. If, if that makes sense. That does. That was really so you're borrowing, you're borrowing math from somewhere else. Uh, dang. I like that. Um, so Andrew asked a simple question, but I want you to elaborate a little bit more on it. Sure. Um, what does VS, VSA stand for? And um, I want you to talk a little bit more about VSA um, okay. and uh, some of the people that could benefit from it. Maybe um, whether that's like business owners, entrepreneurs of any sense, uh, who could benefit from VSAs in their daily life. Got it. Um, hey, man, uh, VSA stands for Virtual Systems Architects. I like to, I always make the joke that if you're familiar with VAs, like virtual assistants, um, I call them VAs on crack. I'm not trying to promote drugs or anything, but uh, I, I think it's like on steroids. But um, what, this is actually, uh, I've, I, I'm a, actually a sales partner uh, of the owner of the company. Um, the name of the company is called ProSulum, uh, and it's uh, www.prosulum.com. And I'll put that in the show notes if, uh, as well. But pretty much, if you're familiar with VAs, I think the biggest problem with getting VAs, uh, like remote workers from other overseas, is that you're still, you're still having to job post. You're still having to interview a hundred people, you're still having to, um, you actually have more problems like time zone changes, cultural barriers, the quality of education or detail orientation. Uh, and not only that, you're not just managing employees in your own company, but now you have to manage an entirely different type of employee. Uh, and so, and not only that, the quality of each virtual assistant is so inconsistent. It, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. What my friend Dean Soto, the founder, what he did was he actually made all those problems go away. And I like to relate it to um, Uber, where it doesn't matter what, what car you drive or who the driver is. The, the system to get you from point A to point B is still exactly the same. The, the system for rating, uh, processing payment, all that is still the same. So what, what Dean has been able to do is um, each company owner or, or executive uh, would get their own VSA. Uh, to actually automate er anything and everything that you could think of uh, in your company. And I've been able to use my VSAs to automate a lot of my restaurants, uh, process payroll, uh, generate leads for my consulting practice, uh, onboard new customers. A lot of times my, my VSAs actually help uh, close the deal, like $10,000, $20,000 deal without me being involved uh, because I've been able to turn on my video and show my VSA exactly how to do what I want them to do. They also help answer customer service questions. Um, anything that you could think of in your company that is redundant, uh, you should not be doing it and you're more valuable elsewhere. Um, and as long as you can record it on, on like one of those free recording softwares like Loom or Jing or QuickTime, as long as you can record your screen and record the sound of your voice narrating how to do something, the, your, your own dedicated VSA will write down word for word everything you just trained them to do. So now you always have a training document for how to do it. And then they take it off your plate and do it for you from now on forever. And what's cool is that um, you're not dependent on the VSA, you're dependent on the system. So if the VSA is sick or you fire them for any reason, or you actually are expanding and you need to hire 10 more VSAs, 
all those VSAs will use the same document, just like people use the same Uber system and they can actually uh, do the work without you having to train them again. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it gets more dense than that, but hopefully that helps. But it, it serves business owners. I, I want it for business owners and I want it for salespeople uh, is, is who I want to target. So okay. now that answers that question. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. And we're perfectly on time. Look at that. <laughs> Yay. Uh, hey, Paul, I just want to say thank you, man. It, this was such a good call. And uh, I just love a lot of Tongue twister right there. A lot of what you <laughs> talked about, and it was so great to just hear a ton of value out of it. And hopefully, maybe part two, some way, sometime in the near future, we can talk a little about other things. But um, man, I really appreciate it. It was really just great talking to you right before the call too. Um, thank you so much, um, uh, Ethan. Uh, thank you so much for for. Uh, I think that the moderators never get enough credit, uh, right? Everybody's always focused on uh, the the new speaker, but you're the one that's day in day out uh, managing, moderating, and so I just want to give kudos to you too. Uh, thank you for for giving a platform, you and Billy, for for creating a platform and managing a platform to add value to people. This is a big deal, so thank you as well, and thank you for making it easy. And and uh, hopefully, I wasn't too rambling but uh thank you very much for your help man you made it fun and easy thank you thank you man i really appreciate it um so before we end the call how can everyone get a hold of you and uh, maybe follow you on social medias and all the ventures that you're in involved with uh i'm an introvert so don't don't reach out to me dude okay. <laughs> i'm just kidding um i'd say that uh where i'm most uh receptive is is instagram so um it's at paul t Tran. make sure there are two t's uh, and then, yeah, say hi. Um, let me know if you want the link to the article, which I think someone already posted it. Thank you, Bill, I think. Um, but happy to send you the resources for um, anything we talked about, including that template. I, I really believe that doing the math is probably the – it helps people who hate sales. It, it makes people who are so scared of sales. Uh, it helps – it's a tool to help them um, – sell better and sell easily. So uh, please don't hesitate to reach out and, and ask for it. I'm happy to give it to you. Whatever helps uh, float. What is it? A rising tide floats all boats. So if I can help uh, be of service, uh, please use me, man. Thank you. Thank you. I will definitely add that into the show notes that we post tomorrow. Cool. Uh, awesome. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope you have a great night. Everyone, I hope you all are having a great night. And uh, Likewise. We'll all next week. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. All right. My pleasure, man. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the So What Podcast. We hope some of the ideas take root and make your life better. We want to serve more awesome people like you. And here's how you can help in less than 60 seconds. Subscribe to this show, post a review because it attracts others. Forward this to a friend or email Paul with any questions, ideas, or if you'd like to work together at so what at paultran.com. 